dementia researcher with a blog and a rating. In this post, I will be discussing public patient involvement, unpacking what that actually means in respect of other similar concepts, such as participation and engagement, how PPI can be done throughout the research process, and drawing on my experiences of intentionally and unintentionally doing involvement activities. If you are just starting out with your studies, this could be helpful to support PPI elements and in your research proposal on ethics application. Or if your research is underway, like me, it may just be useful to situate your activities in the research process. If you're interested or involved in dementia research, you will be well aware of public patient involvement. PPI recognises that people's views may differ from those of professionals and researchers, and much research supports this. Therefore, it is about being more accountable and transparent to the people and communities we are trying to serve by doing research with or by the public, rather than to, about or for them. It's easy to see the commonalities between the underlying values of PPI and the desire for dementia care and support to enable and empower citizenship. Considering the morally just basis, an emerging evidence base that supports PPI as a mechanism for improved health research ethics, impact, relevance and cost effectiveness, it is unsurprising that there is national and international belief that people should be at the heart of decision making. Although how this looks in practice is not always black and white. If I've engaged, have I involved? And if I've consulted, then have I collaborated? Despite being a relatively new field of thought and practice, there is much, much and much more to read in the area. However, perhaps the biblical base for PPI is involved, the UK's leading public participation charity, principally operating to involve the public in decisions that affect their lives. However, public involvement can sometimes find itself misrepresented in other research activities. Involved guidance for health researchers distinguishes three activities where involvement can become a little ambiguous and overlapping with other different but similar research activities, such as participation and engagement. Participation is described as people taking part in a research study. Engagement, where information and knowledge about research is provided and disseminated. And involvement, where members of the public are actively involved in research projects and in research organisations. By definition, these may sound different activities, but in reality, the relationship is far less distinct. For example, in my research, I interviewed people and a discussion was had regarding the purpose of the evaluation, internal development or external funding. Therefore, enabling people through participation to identify research priorities, i.e. be involved. I would add that involving people in the research isn't always a formal strategic action. I've had a kickabout, baked bread, drank tea and ate many a biscuit, while simultaneously engaging people in discussions that have had significance for the research process. The approaches of PPI, consultation, collaboration and user-controlled research are similarly entangled concepts. Consultation is when you gain public view and users to inform decisions about the research. Consultation is when you formally discuss aspects of the research process for example, the methods of data collection or dissemination routes. And user-controlled research is research actively controlled, directed and managed by people and organisations, akin to co-production methods and the great research being led by people affected by dementia. Again, as with engagement and participation, naturally consultation is a collaborative activity, 
where, in the case of my research, I have asked people to identify research priorities, and if I may consult with them again about the outcomes I believe are emerging from the initial stages of data collection, and how best we can measure these, so that key research decisions are shared. I will then consult with stakeholders once more on the findings of the research, and how best to disseminate these in a way which, one, represents the varying audiences' voices represented in the study, and two, is the best method for embedding results to improve practice. While I am clearly arguing the process, activities and approaches of PPI should not be victimised, I do find visual representations of how people can be involved useful to situate my project's PPI elements in precise slices of the research process. But what I would add as a closing thought and reflection on my experiences of PPI to date is that the how and why for doing or not doing PPI should be well deliberated. At the start of my PhD, I was naive to look at what experienced researchers were doing and think that's it, I'll do that. Over-ambitiously referencing national reference groups, deep and tied, while not taking into full consideration the broader research project and process, the research study context, population and aims and objectives. But I have now come to learn it's good practice during a PhD to reaffirm exactly what it is a training course to become a competent and confident researcher. So I try to take a proportionate approach in terms of what I want to do, what is necessary and what is doable, while making sure the underpinning principles of public involvement, including accountability, transparency and democratic justice, remain present. All the best for your PPI pursuits. Sir. Thank you for listening. Join the Dementia Research bloggers and share your own views.